Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, this is, uh, this is our second Sunday of Advent because we had to cancel last week. And I'm so grateful uh, to be here today. And I missed you guys. I, it was a nice day of rest, but I missed being with you. So in life groups, we do this because we get to know each other better, get to know what our lives are like more than we can do at church. We spend time sharing um, and, and praying for each other and, and kind of being creative together. But I want to I tie this into what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, whatever you look forward to this week, whatever you look forward to this week, you do so because this thing that you talked about is going to bring you some benefits. You're going to feel it's beneficial to you. You're going to receive some sort of satisfaction from it. There's some reward from participating in it. And even though it hasn't happened yet, you look forward to it, you anticipate it, you feel hopeful. That's what Advent is. It's, it's anticipation for the coming of Christ. And though he has come, we still anticipate, we still anticipate and we celebrate that he broke into this world and came to us as one of us. And we are hopeful Hope is to trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future, according to our dictionaries. It is to trust in, wait for, look for, desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. Do you know, we can, we can survive 40 days without food. We can survive four days without water. We can survive four minutes without air. But we cannot survive four seconds without hope. We need hope. We, know, we need to know there's a reason. There's a purpose. And in your sermon notes, get a chance to take those out. It says, where there is no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. If we cannot find some reason to hope in, to look forward to, to anticipate, it zaps life from us today. And you, you know many people, maybe you felt that. And you feel hopeless. And there's no power in the present. Our tomorrow needs to have a hope if we're going to navigate today successfully. Let me give examples of that. When I was a young pastor, my very first pastorate, I would go to the hospital to do um, services, hospital services for the patients. And there was one lady named Norma, a wonderful old Christian lady, who had a, I can't remember the disease that she had, but she, she couldn't even move, her bones could break, right? So she had to lie in bed. She was in her 80s, a wonderful lady. And we held the, Christ, the, the chapel service outside the hall in her, of, her, in, of her room so she could hear, because she wanted to participate. But even to go outside, to roll her outside, well, sometimes in the summer, which we'd do, was a big, big thing for her. It tired her out. So Norma spent her life really in bed. And uh, Glenn and I got to know her and just fell in love with her. She was a dear woman. Now Norma was married, is married to Doug. Doug was in his 90s, a little older. And he was uh, the fire chief in the town. And Doug was not in the hospital. He was in a nursing home. And they could not see each other and visit each other. But every day they called and talked on the phone, Norma and Doug. And one day, um, unfortunately, Norma, well, fortunately for her, she went home to be with her Heavenly Father, and she died. 
And I kid you not, three days later, Doug died. Because those calls stopped. The hope, the anticipation had left. And so he just went and joined her. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing. Let me give you this example. Suppose there are two men, identical in every way, hired to assemble widgets for the Niagara Falls Widget Company. Both men are in the same camps, sociology, you know, sociology speaking, economically speaking. They both possess the same temperament and work ethic. Both are contracted to assemble widgets for a whole year, working 10 hours a day with 30 months for lunch, 30 minutes for lunch, six days a week. The owner and the boss comes to the first fellow and says, do this job every day for 10 hours, six days a week, and I'll give you $10,000 at the end of the year. The owner goes to the second fellow and says, do this job every day and I'll pay you $10 million at the end of the year. So the two men set off assembling widgets for the Niagara Falls Widget Company. After seven weeks of assembling widgets, the first guy making $10,000 a year says to the, first, the second guy at lunch, I'm bored. Uh, this is such tedious work. Same thing over and over and over again. A symbol of widget, a symbol of widget, 10 hours a day, six days a week. It's driving me crazy. I don't think I can look at another widget for as long as I live. I'm thinking about quitting. What about you? Second guy says, no, no. I never think about quitting this work. I actually enjoy it. In fact, I whistle while I work. Two men working the same jobs, but one wants to quit. But the one who received $10 million at the end of the year is looking forward to it. He actually whistles. What's the difference? It's obvious. And in your notes, the present experience is determined by their expected future. So your life today and all that it entails, it will be so much impacted by what you're expecting in the future. As Christians, we do go through the trials. We are under the water of those umbrellas sometimes. But our hope isn't there. And so we're able to walk above the clouds, even in the storms. So where we are choosing to find hope for tomorrow is so important because it impacts you and I today. If you don't have a clear, confident understanding of what lies ahead of you tomorrow, you will become fearful today. Back in that first pasture again, it was on Blue Mountain in Collingwood. Out in the country, there was no village, there was no town. There was our church, and our church, we lived in a house attached to the church, and there was, that was it. That was the, that was the town. Some farms, some weekend homes uh, for Toronto people. And at night, there was, there was no light pollution. On a clear night, I used to go out and lie in the, the yard and just watch the stars and try to find the satellites. You could see them going across. I remember one winter cloudy night with no moon. I said, Mom, Mom was visiting. Mom, come out with me in the parking lot. So I got my flashlight, and I walked out of the house into the church parking lot and we stood there, and I said, Mom, watch this. And I shut the light off. I kid you not, you could not see your hand in front of your eyes. It was that dark. My mom became fearful. Actually scared. said, son, turn the light back on. And I did. And it guided us back home. 
listen to what our scripture says today. It begins by saying, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Because to be void of light is to be fearful, not knowing, not confident, to be overwhelmed. And why does it say the heart? Because why does the Bible say flood your heart with light? Why not your eyes? Light illuminates an area. And the heart talks about what motivates us to act. We talk about, when we talk about the heart, we talk about the passion we go about life. We talk about how I put my heart into it. Or I love you with all my heart. Or we speak about our heart's desire. And when you have dark places in your heart, you have places without God, and they become fearful. You don't have confidence. You're not sure. You're overwhelmed. And our verse says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded, not just spotlights, flooded all of your life with God so you can have confidence. When you have dark places in your life, you have places without God. And Jesus says this, and, 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 and he said, tells us this, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have light that leads to life. That's hope. Darkness cannot overcome the light. If you notice your life becoming darker and darker, don't blame the darkness. It's simply doing what darkness does. In our notes, I'm going to get you to spend a couple of moments again and check off any areas that you experience. So have you ever been fearful or consumed with your financial issues? Or have you ever been consumed or, lose, or with losing your job? Have you ever been fearful about what you will do for a living? Have you ever been fearful about relationships in your life? Have you ever been fearful or consumed with world events? Have you ever been fearful or consumed about your, your appearance? Or about the fact of growing old or death? Are there any areas there that you feel like I have been at one time or you are in darkness? Check those off just for a moment. I'm going to take a couple of minutes and get you to, to do that, okay? But any of these areas where we worry, any of these areas that we checked off where we have doubt and fret over become dark places in our life. I feel like my mom did out in that parking lot. Turn the light back on. The good news is these areas of darkness become invitations to us to invite the light of God to shine in them. Any area in your life where there's darkness, light dispels darkness. God overcomes. And sharing and praying for the light of Christ to shine these areas are so crucial for dispelling darkness in our life because light is the only remedy for darkness. And Jesus says, and he tells us this, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all of you who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Think of the dark places or if you're, where you struggled or where you're struggling. Jesus says, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who would put their trust or their hope in me will no longer remain in the dark. You don't have to stay there. That doesn't have to consume you. That doesn't have to be your story with Jesus. 
I think I still shared this illustration before, but it helps me to understand this. Imagine that dark, moon, moonless night. I told you my mom and I were out in the parking lot. You could not see. We tried. You could not see your hand in front of you. There was no light. No light pollution. Imagine I was here in the parking lot, and all the, the hydro went out in Niagara Falls. We'd blame Pete Kessler for that. He did something. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. No, that's not true, is it? <laughs> and there's no moon, and it's cloud. It is that dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And I'm in my car when that happens. I only live a few kilometers away from Crimson Drive, but I could not find my way. I would not be able to get from here on Valley Way to Crimson Drive because you cannot see literally in front of you. But when I turn my headlights on, I still can't see my house but I have enough light in front of me to guide me step by step by step until I get home. You are in this dark world, and Jesus says, I want to come and shine like light into this world, and you may not be in heaven yet. You may not realize that, but Jesus will always give you enough light to take the next step, the next step, the next step. He'll guide you through the darkness until one day you're home. It's all light. If you hope in him, if you trust in him. Henry Blackaby writes this quote. There is, mis- there is no mistaking the effect of light upon a darkened place. Light boldly and unabashedly announces its presence and vigorously dispels darkness. God's desire is to fill you with his light. Just know that. That's what he wants for you. And your darkness is an invitation. Say, God, please come. So our verse says today that we're looking at, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope. And then the the last part says he has given to those he called his holy people who are rich and who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So God says he gives this confident hope to those he's called. In your notes, you'll see the result and outcome of placing our hope and trust in God and God alone, alone above all other things. There's a list there. The Bible, and I, some of them I'll give verses for. Some of them are going to fill in in our life groups that we meet together this week. But God says, if you put your hope and trust in me, you're going to know love. You're going to know above everything else. You're going to have acceptance, no shame. You're going to know love. Like you've never known it before. You're going to know Forgiveness. And the Bible says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. There are people walking around who just want to know, I'm forgiven. I'm released. One of the outcomes of trusting God is faith. One of the outcomes of trusting God is having patience like you haven't had before. There is freedom. The Bible says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. It's not just this, talking lip service. You are truly free. And the Bible says that one of the outcomes of trusting God is strength. We know in the Bible it says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. This is God's promise. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will not run. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You're going to receive inspiration. You're going to receive confidence, it says in Proverbs 3, 6. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. He will show you. He'll be that light into your path, that headlight to get you to the next step. You'll know healing, spiritual healing, even physical healing. There, I mean, I tell you, there are people in recent 
very recent times who I know have come with a brain tumor and saying they're supposed to be dead by last January and they're still here. We prayed for them, anointed them with oil, and they were healed. Heart conditions healed. People who were lost being found. There's such great healing with God. And without God, we can only wish for these things to be realities in our life. But with God, we can become confident about what is to come. And so we have hope. And we go forward with the full assurance that God will do what he says he will do in our life. We have hope. We have a confident hope. We will not be fooled by our enemy into thinking the world has something better to offer. The enemy is at work saying, no, this is where you put your time in this little place, this little time. Find this, this moment of happiness right now. And you do that and you're suckered in because then you drop and you fall and it's not all that promised to be. We refuse to fall into the, into the trap believing the grass is greener on the other side. A few of us meet for breakfast every week and we have a great waitress named Heather who always takes time to chat with us. And she told us this week, she gave us this quote, I like it. The grass, if the grass looks greener, it's probably AstroTurf. <laughs> it's artificial. The enemy's lying, trying to trick you. It has the appearance of being real, but it's fake. Don't fall for that trick. Hope in the Christian's life is not wishful thinking. It isn't astroturf. It's real. It's a confident expectation. Do you have it? Do you know it? So let me close with this. This is God talking to you. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence when, as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy, trustworthy anchor for our souls. So regardless of what's happening in your life, regardless of places that try to overcome you with darkness, we have fled to him for refuge. We can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope, it's strong. It's trustworthy anchor for our souls. Can we just, as before we have communion, or even as we get ready for communion, just to prepare our hearts and think about and ask God if there's darkness anywhere in our life, could we just remove any obstacles, any pride, any hardened hearts, any, what's the word, posturing of I'm okay to say Lord no you know I'm not and ask him to bring light his light to shine into our darkness so we can hold on to the hope that lies before us the strong trustworthy anchor for our souls let's just spend a moment as we prepare for communion thanks for listening to today's podcast we make these messages available to give you a window into our church but also an open gate for you to join in with our community Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.